Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic related topics and social issues. So today I wanted to talk about transgenderism and the self. I'm not going to be talking about it from a political angle. I really want to talk about it as an exploration of the self and how the transgender conversation actually limits that exploration that it attempts to explore the self but then limits the conversation at just the place where it could be of value especially in the 21st century in the west etc so that's what we're gonna talk about and i'll probably try to keep it brief because i'm um yeah, just kind of thinking out loud and sharing these ideas with you all. Also, I do want to ask you, and before I do that, um, I hope this sound is okay. I am just using my phone, um, but I do want to ask you to check out our Substack. That is a newsletter that we just set up. I had a newsletter on another hosting site. But I just did it through Substack and transferred it to Substack. And it's really cool because it's kind of like, it's called a newsletter, but it's kind of like an in-between, a blog and a newsletter. And I have not posted on my By the Fig and the Olive blog in a long time. <laughs> um, I have done a couple newsletters, but... For whatever reason, this just feels like a better place, uh, not a better place, a good place for now, for just my life right now to post and um, it goes straight to your email. So inshallah, tell, I hope that you'll check it out. I really hope that you will also consider subscribing. A free subscription gives you more access than if you just visit the, the Substack and if you get a paid subscription, then you will have um, access also to, uh, it'll just be another tier of access to writings that I won't share with, um, either free subscribers or the general public. So I hope you'll check it out. It is nerdy night, uh, sorry, nerdy night dot substack.com. So that is N U R I D D E E N K N I G H T dot substack.com. And I will definitely leave the link in the uh, description, whether you're listening on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. So I was thinking of, this may sound pretty funny or ridiculous, or I'm not sure, <laughs> but I was thinking about sometimes I will um, feel like I relate to old angry white men that is all in quotes. <laughs> so there's this stereotype of the old angry white man who's shaking his fist at the world. And the idea is that the old angry white man, quote unquote, is so out of touch and he's just angry at all the changes happening in the world. And I feel like I I relate to that stereotype sometimes because um, despite being a young a black woman or young-ish, I'm 33 now, so, right. You know, it's funny, we don't call people in our 30s middle age, but in all reality, we probably are in the middle of our life. Uh, most of us are probably not going to live till 100, so, but anyway. Um, but I often feel that way as well, probably in part because the world has changed so much just in the past 33 years of my life and, and specifically the past um, 20 or so years of my life um, since of course I've become more cognizant of the world around me the older I get so there's so much that has changed culturally technologically um, that is just a lot to keep up with so many things that you know I try to keep up with social issues and it's to a point where I don't know how much longer I can actually keep up because things change so fast and they're so ethically, morally reprehensible that at a certain point as a Muslim, and especially if you're someone who idealizes Sufism as well, 
at a certain point you have to ask yourself if it is worth the tax the toll that it takes on your heart your mind to keep up with all this stuff and um yeah i i i don't know i'm probably past that point (laughs) but um it's certainly something that i think about and consider so the transgenderism issue i actually wrote about this issue subhanallah seven years ago seven years ago i wrote in the public discourse and um i wrote about it particularly from the perspective of a black woman in that i was thinking about the uh, thinking about and comparing it to race and asking myself asking the reader um if i had wanted to be a white woman how what what kind of reaction what kind of response would i get i use the example of if i had gone to my parents and said such a thing um and then slowly move that into thinking about the transgenderism of of someone quote unquote transitioning from man to woman or woman to man etc so I'd written about this seven years ago and I mentioned that just to say this issue has been around for a long time and it's kind of when I say that I'm like subhanAllah yeah that is true um seven years ago was when Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner had come out as transgender and I think fully come out with all the surgeries and stuff that was I believe seven years ago so the issue has been at the forefront for a long time uh relatively speaking and you know the ante is just sort of growing every day and when I was saying that, I almost feel like I can't keep up with all the changes. I wasn't even referring to transgenderism. I mean, that that is a big enough shift in the culture, but there are all kinds of other things um, that are happening in terms of gender and sexuality and, and not having a gender, having many genders. Um, and it feels very strange for a lot of reasons i mean there there have been studies that have come out recently saying 30 40% of millennials gen zers consider themselves a part of the lgbtq community and that number was much much lower um just a generation before ours uh there's a popular figure about 10% but that it's just something people say it really wasn't that high uh, we probably really don't have accurate numbers for people of my parents' generation in the 70s and 80s and 90s, etc. Um, but it, it is a lot to keep up with. But I was thinking about, so I mentioned the thing about feeling like I relate to being an old white man. And it made me think about the transgender conversation or the ideas around it and I'm I'm talking outside of the political realm because in the political realm in the policy realm we have to be 100% against all that they are trying to do whether it's the bathrooms or sports or changing definitions we have to stand firm against it so I'm not talking politically culturally speaking uh philosophically speaking if i can say that i think there is an interesting question to be had and not even a new conversation but but a valuable and interesting one to be had about feeling as though you are someone else that you belong to a group of people that you're not supposed to belong to like in a in a more, um, what can I say, grounded way, so to speak. So I, I talked about relating to the stereotype of the old white man, quote unquote, shaking his fist at the, at society. But in a more concrete way, I find myself listening a lot more in the past couple of years, and, and I think even more so this past year or two, to uh, white conservatives and white conservative men. I don't purposefully seek out white conservative men but i think uh, a lot of the talking voices um talking heads happen to be 
white and male. And honestly, I think I have my criticism of, it's kind of a side note of, um, I actually like, let's say, I actually like some of what Candace Owens says, but I, it's hard for me to hear someone take some of the positions she takes on race. And perhaps that's just my sensitivities and not really coming from uh, a thoughtful place. So, and when it comes to white white conservative men that I happen to listen to, I I don't listen to probably 99% of things that they say on race, right? Um, now, I don't really listen to liberals on race. When it comes to race, I, I'm in a more nuanced place with that, right? I can't say that I agree with conservatives or liberals on the issue of race. I think there are a lot of nuanced and complicated things happening. And I think that when it comes to race, I was more, um, had a very clear line of thinking when it came to race when I was younger and very heavily indoctrinated in that, not like by my parents in particular, but just by the culture. If you I'm sure if you're a black person listening, if you grew up black, there's just a way that you're supposed to think and you don't think differently. And anyone who did think differently um, was immediately called all kinds of names, right? So I think the indoctrination was heavier or or to put it a nicer way, the cultural unity was very uh, significant when it came to black issues. So I'm still in an interesting place of having the sensitivity, but then thinking about personal responsibility, but then thinking about the cultural issues and the history and et cetera, et cetera. So I I don't fall on any clear landing when it comes to a lot of issues. Um, sometimes I think they're they're just so complicated. I really don't know what is best to do. And it's, you know, it's not my job to figure it out. Um... So yeah, I find myself listening to a lot more conservatives who happen to be white men. And it's interesting because when we think about identity, an identity in the West, especially if you're white or black listening, because we have such, and still do to some degree, but I feel like it was stronger in the past, such clear identities about who we were supposed to be, right? But minorities as well, to some degree, just minorities in general. But I think that there are so many issues happening that don't really align with what we believe, that we find ourselves either taking a hard crossover of saying, okay, I, I can't be with you all anymore, you're too extreme, or I just disagree with you too much on these issues, I have to go to the other side, or a softer crossover where we're more willing to listen to the other side. Um, and it's fascinating because, you know, I would say years ago, I really wouldn't have found a reason to listen to conservatives, even though I was for family values but years ago when I was growing up, that was more of an abstraction, right? This is before gay marriage, before the LGBTQ stuff, before the transgender issues, before before all of this stuff. So family values, everyone was kind of on the same page about that. But even though liberals were moving to a different place, it wasn't a dramatic difference. The biggest thing was probably that liberals wanted to allow for abortions and conservatives didn't, or conservatives kept trying to put different restrictions on abortion, which they still do. But even back then, and when I say back then, I'm talking about like when Bill Clinton was in office, this is like the 90s. Um, the idea around abortion was that it should be, I don't remember the exact line, but it was something like it should be restrictive. It shouldn't be used for birth control. There was an emphasis on medical need. So abortion wasn't thought of as in the same way it's thought of now. 
Like it was thought of before as women need to have access to this just in case, right? For the off chance that there is some circumstance where we, where she would want to do that. Whereas now it's treated like, no, this is a woman's right to do this. Um, so the differences culturally between liberals and and conservatives were not as dramatic and of course this is just my personal remembering of it right i'm not um i'm no expert that's just my personal remembering of things but things have changed a lot and as muslims of course it's very easy to dismiss these conversations and and perhaps we should like i'm not even saying you shouldn't (laughs) Um, if you can live your life and not think about these issues and not care about it, and that's great. Unfortunately, though, a lot of people who are trying to do that, just trying to live their lives, don't say anything about it, work, go to school, whatever, it's still being forced upon you, right? I had given a lecture some time ago um, for Muslims, this is a couple years ago, where I actually spoke about having a friend who was gay as, as far as I knew that that was apparently what he told other people but he never told me he was gay you know I was Muslim been Muslim all my life uh we were friends he was he was very like artistic that sort of thing and yeah unfortunately back then I did have friends who were uh, of the opposite gender um, we weren't like, whatever, we, we were friends in the most halal way, even though I would, I would definitely say these days that it's better to not have friends of the opposite gender. Uh, but anyway, he never told me he was gay and it, and I, even though he never told me, as I said, apparently other, he told other people, but also years later then he was open about that on social media and, and we weren't really friends after high school um but he never told me it never came up he never talked to me about it and the reason why i'm mentioning that is because that was possible to do back then it was possible to be friends with someone who lived a personal lifestyle, their relational lifestyle, whatever it was, and you didn't talk about it, it didn't come up. And you could be friends because it didn't come up, right? I can only assume that he never mentioned it to me because I'm I'm Muslim, so he figured or knew that wasn't something I would be interested in. Had he told me, had he told me or made it a point to share that part of his life, and I don't know if he was doing anything then other than that we were in high school, so he could very well have identified in that way without having actually been involved in anything. But um, had he told me it would have harmed our friendship. And back then, I was a teenager. I certainly wasn't as religious, so to speak, as I am now. But it still, it would have put a dent in things for me. It would have been conflicting for me. But we were able to be friends. We were able to, forgetting what was the thing that we, he was very, sure that was something I really liked about that person they were very sure of themselves he was sure about exactly what he wanted to do out of high school what career path he wanted to take what school he wanted to go to um he was one of one of the few people who really had very clear ideas about his vision for for the future and that was something I liked about him um it would be very hard to be friends with someone in any of those lifestyle choices which apparently we're not supposed to say lifestyle choices anymore but whatever um it would be hard to be friends with anyone in that community so to speak because that has become such a quintessential part of their identity 
And I think that for a lot of people, and this this relates to us as Muslims as well, because one, because we have an alternative to offer people, but two, we have Muslim youth who are talking about being gay, being LGBT, being queer. And we have to be able to speak about these issues while recognizing that the language being used is not the only possibility for having these discussions. So when I say in a joking way, metaphorical way, I relate to the quote-unquote angry white man shaking his fist at society. You can have a conversation about why do I feel like these ideas and beliefs are more appropriate for people of that demographic than it is for me? Or why do I, why have I internalized the idea that certain beliefs and ideas or complaints about society are only entitled, only a certain demographic is entitled to them? Um, why? is there a belief that this particular demographic would feel most entitled to certain beliefs? And when I say entitled, I'm using it in a very neutral way. I don't mean it in a negative or positive way for that matter. So we can have uh, an interesting nuanced conversation about identity and feelings and thoughts and who we relate to. Uh, I was having an interesting conversation with a younger family member of mine and they were saying that they were in a a U.S. history class and most of the people in the class, well, everyone in the class except for them were very anti-American and that they were very um, pro-American, so to speak, but really that they had a respect for the founding father Uh, because they happened to be um, homeschooled, so... um, it's like a, I think they call it a co-op when, you know, different parents will um, get, I don't know, organize it so that their kids take a class together or something like that. Um, but I can only think, at least based on, I don't know about today, it, it would seem like it would still be true today, but certainly in my high school experience, if you were person of color I don't, I don't I don't love that term but I'll just say it for the the sake of the example if you were a person of color who said you had a respect for the founding fathers <laughs> people would think something is wrong with you they would call you you know just like I was stating before there was a very unified idea and again I can only speak from when it comes to certain things I'm only speaking from my particular experience so this is my experience my growing up, the high school I went to, right? You would be called all kinds of names. If you said you had a respect, unless you were joking and it was clear that you were joking, if you said you had a respect and a love and an admiration for the founding fathers, you'd be ridiculed, right? So I think it's important that we... Instead of, so now let's turn it to gender, right? Because that's what the the whole transgender thing is about. And ironically, transracialism (laughs) is not as accepted, but transgenderism is. And I'm not saying that should be accepted, but that's, that's interesting. So when I was growing up, and I'm using a lot of examples from when I was growing up, in part to showcase how much in my experience the world has changed. When I was growing up, I can think of I can think of quite a few examples of girls for sure who hung out with guys. Now I can only think of one example of a girl who hung out exclusively with with guys. Um, but I can think of a lot of examples of girls who hung out with guys in terms of feeling comfortable in a group of guys, having a lot of guy friends, etc. But I can only think of one example of a girl who hung out 
it seemed exclusively with guys and she also happened to dress like one of the guys what we called back then this is what we called back then dyke or butch i don't know if those terms are wildly offensive now but i'm just saying it because that's what we call them we there was no well the 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 terminology transvestite did exist but that's not what you would call someone like that back then you would call a man who dressed up like a woman that back then um and i can think of i can think of one distinct example i guess two because the the friend that i was referring to i think he no our group was pretty mixed so I, i couldn't really say he he hung out mostly with um young women uh, the group was pretty mixed but i can think of one example maybe in elementary school or junior high school of a guy who hung out mostly with young women with girls so i'm saying that to say that the idea that someone related more to the opposite gender that wasn't new what did we call that well, for a young woman who, a girl who hung out with a lot of guys, we wouldn't, we wouldn't actually call it a tomboy. Because back then, what you would call a tomboy is a girl who was interested in the activities that boys were interested in. And so it wasn't necessarily that she had male, a lot of male friends, but she liked being a part of male activities. But you had to... That had to really be a part of your whole identity, right? Because I, I can think of a girl who was really into basketball. She was also considered one of the prettiest girls. And she, I don't know if she always had her nails done, but it was something. She either always had her nails done or hair done, something like that. Um, even to get the label of tomboy, you had to really, really, really be into boy stuff. And to get the label of the dyke or the butch, as as we once said back then, um, that was a, a girl, a young woman who completely acted like one of the guys, hung out with the guys, acted like one of the guys, lowered her voice as well, or maybe naturally had a lower voice, probably was gay, but yeah. So, but that person, it's interesting because that person took on an identity of one of the guys, so to speak, without actually claiming to be a guy, right? And yet that is how we thought of them. That's how we thought of them, but we didn't have to be literalist, right? It's not as if we thought this person really, truly was a man, even though they're a woman, but we understood that this person completely identifies with being a guy. They feel more comfortable around guys. Uh, they have same-sex attraction. They they may have binded their chest, maybe. Um, they had lower voices or lower their voice, whatever it was. They fully took on that identity. Um, and sometimes also, I think research has been done on this, but I'm not sure. But it was a common trope, at least I'll say, a common idea that a lot of these young women took the place of kind of like when a son in a single in a single parent household would take the place, quote unquote, of the husband father role. It's kind of like if a single mother had only girls then one of the girls might take on that role Allahu alam, but this was an idea this was one of the ideas floating around about um the possibility of, of why someone would identify in that way and even to say identify in that way that's kind of imposing today's language on the past right it wasn't it's interesting. They identified with it through their behavior without having to claim some kind of alternative 
mental state, some kind of alternative identity. And I think that's interesting because, and obviously, alhamdulillah, as Muslims, men and women, we are not supposed to take on the dress of of the opposite sex. So I'm not saying that it's okay for them to do that. But what I am saying is, um, in part because I'm sure the technology was a lot more primitive back then and, and it wasn't as well known, um, they did not butcher their bodies. I, I assume that binding the chest probably caused some harm, but they did not butcher their bodies, nor did they make some grandiose effort to convince everyone around them that they were, that they were in fact um, a boy for the girls or a... Uh, that they were in fact the opposite sex than what they actually were. And it's very interesting because I think that people feel like, and this is something I I take an issue with in general, it's a more of a personal issue, <laughs> that I find that ideas are usually more valuable than the finished product we attempt to turn it into. And I know that you can't stay in the land of ideation forever, even though I, I guess I would like to. <laughs> but I think we have to be very thoughtful about the physical steps, the steps that we take within reality to manifest the ideas that float about in our minds. I was reading an article, not an article, uh, well, an article that had the Twitter thread. And I actually couldn't get through it, and I won't mention much of it to you all because it, it is that graphic. It was about someone, I think they were a man, quote-unquote, transitioning to a woman, I think, Yeah. And they were talking about their surgery. And they were talking about some of the, I don't know if you can call it effects. I don't know if it's a butchering. I don't know, or butchering is not a proper way to put it. I don't know if it is a mal malpractice. I don't know what exactly you might call it. But some of the unexpected effects of going through the surgeries they went through. And it was terrifying. It was so terrifying, I could not get through it. I couldn't get through it. I had to stop myself. And I cried. I wept for this person, this stranger on the internet, and all of the people who were going to butcher their body, put their body through these horrible hormones, even at a lesser degree, dress up in the clothing of the opposite sex for years of their life, make themselves, and I know this sounds insulting, so forgive me, but make themselves a freak show. No one will say it's a freak show because we're all told we have to be accepting, etc., etc. But that's how people are looking at you. You know, the book 1984, and I, I think I'm going to get it again. It's funny because I, I don't know if I had, I think I maybe had to read the book when I was young. I'm not sure. But I, when I was teaching in a high school, I read it with my students. We didn't get to finish the whole book. And we're wrong. Um, I got the book on Audible. And so I finally got through the whole book, which I know some people <laughs> don't feel like Audible is the is the same as you know as listening is the same as reading, which is not, but content wise it is, but the experience is definitely not. Um, but I alhamdulillah got to make it through the whole book, and I I think I'm gonna purchase the book soon and and read through it once more, because the book is so brilliant. It is it is so. Hamdina, this this man, um, 
I think I'm forgetting his name now. Oh, no, I'm sorry. George Orwell, of course. He's so insightful. And I know that he lived during a curious time where there's a lot happening and um, a lot of a lot of what he was talking about was happening on some scale. But a lot of what he's talking about almost feels more prevalent now than whatever was being was happening back then. Because one of the things that he talks about, and if you haven't read the book, I guess you can skip about two minutes if you don't want any spoilers of the book. Um, one of the things that he talks about is that so it's a it's a fictional book, it's a dystopia where they control information and force you to believe whatever the 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 party quote unquote well not the well yeah the it's called the party right the the political party in power they force you to believe through torture and control and surveillance whatever it is you're supposed to believe on any given day. And one of the most brilliant part of the book, so this is the spoiler, if you don't want to hear it, just skip ahead a minute, because this is like one of the, the big things that happens at, towards the end of the book, is that he's one of the resistors, the main character, Wilson. And one of the things that happens at the end of the book is that they torture him so badly and mentally abuse him and physically abuse him so badly in order to convert him to their their given way of thinking but it's not just i mean the torture is horrifying i think that was <laughs> I think that was probably the negative side of listening to the book instead of reading it if i was reading it i would have skipped a few lines but listening to it was was a lot it's not enough for you to just say that you believe two plus two is five, if that's what the party tells you to believe today. It is not enough to just say it. You have to believe it. You have to believe it. That's the goal. You have to believe what we are saying. And I'm saying that because, of course, that, that's what people in power, people struggling for power, that's what a lot of people ultimately want, unfortunately. They want you, well, I wouldn't even say unfortunately. People want you to buy into their beliefs to the core of your being. But that's not easy to do, right? But you can punish people enough. At least this is one way to do it. You can punish people enough. You can scare them with job loss. If you all heard about, um, there were two recent incidents in, in sports where the men, I think it was soccer, and I forget what the other game was, where the men were told to wear some kind of pride flag on their team uniform, who refused. And there was a lot of controversy around it. And one, the the first incident that happened, the guy didn't even refuse. He didn't say anything. He just didn't show up, right? He didn't say anything. And it was a Muslim guy the first time and the other men were Christian. He didn't say anything. He just didn't show up, Right? But that was a problem. There was someone on TV berating him and a news article berating him saying that, essentially saying, well, we know what it's about. We know why you didn't show up. You pulled this last year. Apparently he did it last year as well. Um, This is hateful. This is whatever. Because, not because you said anything, not even because you didn't wear the pin, because you. it's not like he refused. He just didn't show up. It reminded me of when I was in in uh, school when I was younger. A lot of, there were many years where we just wouldn't go to school on Halloween. We just wouldn't go. We didn't make a big hoopla about we don't celebrate or that's at all or we shouldn't be. No, we just didn't go. Just skip school that day. That's all. Now, did people read between the lines that we're Muslim, we don't celebrate Halloween? Probably. But, hey, we're, we're just going to leave it alone. We're not going to celebrate. We're not even going to talk about it. We're, let's just move on. You're going to do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Um, you know, Celestia Panotella says to you, be your own to, to us, be our way. 
But that's not enough anymore. It is not enough to simply not say anything. Right? That's not enough. You know, if your ax, if the party says 2 plus 2 equal 5, and your ax was 2 plus 2, and you pay lip service, you say it's 5. Just like people will pay lip service and say, well, you know, if someone asks it, do you believe in LGBTQ rights? Most people probably say yes. They'll pay lip service to it, and then in their mind, they'll just have, well, I intend to mean that they deserve human rights, whatever, but I'm not going to argue with these people. But they don't just want lip service. They want you to believe to the core of your being that this is what, that 2 plus 2 equals 5. But unlike the book, in reality, it is, you can do it, but it's very hard to change people's hearts and minds. So, if, by the grace of God, we get through this fog of the transgenderism and the 50 genders and the sexualities and all this stuff. If we get through this fog in 5 years, 10 years, and people get to talk about how they really felt about a man calling himself a woman about a man entering into the bathroom, into the woman's bathroom, about a man wearing a dress, about etc. It's going to be horrifying people who bought into those beliefs, who actually bought into it, to realize that everyone else was pretending. Like the, another classic story, the emperor has no clothes, right? The emperor is walking around with no clothes. Everybody knows he doesn't have any clothes on, but no one says a word. If ever, if five years from from that point, or if he looks by a mirror, or if someone breaks rank and says something, oh, actually, subhanAllah, that's how the story goes. I think it's a child that says the emperor has no clothing at the end. The sheer embarrassment The sheer embarrassment and shame you will feel that that such a person would feel in thinking that they spent these years of their life walking around wearing a dress, thinking everyone was accepting it because that's that's the lip service people paid because they were scared of saying how they really felt. If the tides ever change and you realize, no, people never saw you as a woman. They just saw you as a man in a dress. That's the least of the horror, but that's horrifying in and of itself. The worst of it will be the people who ruin their bodies. And, you know, I just don't have the stomach for it. And I I don't know that you all may not have the stomach for it either. Or I would repeat the horrors of this young, I think a young man's surgery. I just can't do it. It's It's literally terrifying. But if you ever want to learn about some of the mistakes you can just I'm pretty sure you can just google it the effects because even before reading that years ago when when Kathleen Bruce Jenner had first come out I read a a bit about the surgery it wasn't as horrifying as what I've read recently but I read a bit about the surgery and it that was horrifying enough even if you just look at standard practice of the surgery that was horrifying enough So, the problem is that people are misguided. Obviously, they're misguided in a lot of ways. We could talk about spiritually, we could talk about psychologically, we could talk about politically, right? Um, But I just want to end with talking about people are misguided in believing that changing their bodies, butchering their bodies, will give them some kind of peace, some kind of expansion, bring them closer to themselves. It's enough of an exploration to say, now some things are, well, for one is Muslim, some things are just haram, right? 
if you like wearing men's clothing, you still shouldn't wear men's clothing. If you like, if you're a man who likes wearing women's clothing, you still shouldn't wear women's clothing, right? It's there are some things that are off limits, but there are other things that can be expansive. That even culture, there some things are just, for example, the idea that men don't cry. That's just a cultural idea. That's a Western cultural idea. Perhaps it's a common idea in many places. I don't know. But we know that the Prophet ﷺ cried. We know that there were times when he cried. There's an idea that men aren't affectionate. We know the Prophet ﷺ was affectionate. Especially with his children. You know, there was a man who came to the Prophet ﷺ and... I'm, I'm paraphrasing the story, but he told him that he never either kissed or hugged his children. And he reprimanded that man. And I mentioned these two qualities of crying and being caring towards children because these are qualities that we see in the West as st- stereotypically feminine that Islam and the Prophet specifically completely disagrees with right so some things some things that we believe are masculine or feminine in the west they're not universal so that's for one right some things are things that we made up as a culture which is okay unless until and unless it's not okay so it's worth exam it is worth examining the value of being emotional or showing more emotions if you're a man. It's worth examining. If you are a woman who likes sports, or even a young child who likes trucks, oh, you know, a young girl who likes trucks, or even a young boy who likes dolls, right? Again, we're not gonna, and I guess this is the complication sometimes, we don't have to. I think there's always a line, right? What that line is, I think the I think there are extremes that are obvious and then there are other things that are more subtle. Is it okay to give a boy a doll? I think dolls and teddy bears are just things that kids play with, right? Now, is it okay to give a boy a makeup set? Well, I don't I don't really see why you would do that. Because girls playing around in makeup, it's like a fun uh, preparation for womanhood. It's it's a direct correlation, right? Uh, but there are a lot of neutral areas. Getting a kitchen, as long as it's not you know pink and flowers and and frilly and like very purposefully girly. Getting a toy kitchen and the boy likes to cook stuff. That's fine. I guess what I'm saying is not. Yes, girl, boys should play with Barbies and girls should play with trucks. No, but that it is actually a good idea to re-examine certain ideas that we had about gender. As Muslims, alhamdulillah, we have guidance on that. So there are some things we can clearly say, yeah, that's not necessarily a big deal. Or yeah, you know, if your boy wants to wear a dress, no, you just, no, you don't wear dresses. But, and and I saw an example of this where this guy, uh, the father, his son wanted to wear, this was just like a TikTok video, watching conservatives commentary on it. But the father, his son wanted to wear a dress, like one of those princessy type dresses. And the father said, no, not without me. And then it, it, goes to the clip of them both in princess dresses it's very interesting because in some ways i think we're almost taking ourselves too seriously while simultaneously missing out on what could be a very interesting conversation if you've ever walked through the children's section i mean if you're a parent i'm sure you have (laughs) if you're not then i'm sure you probably have happened to it is true that boys' clothes are often 
more boring than girls' clothes, right? Girls have lots of pretty, frilly stuff, and boys' clothes are usually pretty boring. Is it the biggest issue in the world? No. In one sense, who cares? But if you have a boy who would like to wear fancier clothes, do you have to go from boring boy clothes to dress? No. I know when I was younger, my, or, well, yeah, when I was younger, but also more importantly, when my nephew was younger, he loved to dress up. I think he wore it until it couldn't fit anymore. He loved to dress up in a Spider-Man outfit. He, I can, subhanAllah, I can see him. Like, I can visualize him in this red and blue outfit with the cape and everything, right? That's a fun outfit. That's fun. If the idea, or perhaps the, the, the boy... Just wanted to wear something a bit more flamboyant, a bit, and I don't mean that in a, choose another word, a bit more fun, a bit more outrageous, a bit, well, just more things going for it. Could have got him a superhero outfit. You could have got him a samurai outfit. You, they're like, there are cool things that you could have got him that would have perhaps remedied the situation. Now, if your boy is insistent on the dress or or worse yet insistent that he wants to be a girl that's a bigger issue there are some things in life that we should accept because like this man on twitter and some could argue every man or woman who goes through quote-unquote transition surgery you can't actually do what they claim to be doing like it it's not it's not real. Every single trans person will have buyer's remorse if if they're able to be honest with themselves. Though you know the irony is that because a man doesn't actually know what it's like to be a woman and a woman doesn't actually know what it's like to be a man Perhaps they won't even realize they have buyer's remorse unless they, or perhaps they won't even have buyer's remorse unless the surgery has just gone really wrong and and actually given them um, problems like the young man on Twitter. Because, Because you're not a man, because you're not a woman, you don't actually know what it's supposed to feel like to be a man or a woman. You only know if, if you just don't feel great about how you look or how your body's functioning. But I guess I'll end with saying I I, have, <laughs> I wanted this to be I thought this would be pretty short but it ended up being a, a longer podcast. Um, there are some fundamental things we have to accept, but there are so many things that we can question. When I was younger, and I know I, I keep comparing when I was younger, right? I I don't know, I'm kind of stuck on that this this episode. When I was younger, to be black and not be a Democrat was unheard of. And if you were, then there were all kind of insulting names one would call you. You were a sellout, you were this, you were that. It was unheard of. Black people were Democrats. That It was like a fact. <laughs> it was just a fact. So to grow up and then be able to question, I'm not saying I'm conservative or Republican. I don't, I don't have loyalty to any of the political parties. Um, and I think there are good ideas in different parties. Who I'll vote for I, the next time around, I really don't know. Um, or if I'll vote, whatever. To be able to be a grown-up and say... You know what? I don't know if this works for me anymore. I don't know if I identify with these people anymore. I don't know if I believe what they believe anymore. I don't know if I want to be closed-minded anymore. Right? I can actually make other decisions. Now, I don't have to assume an entirely new... I, I don't have to, for example be a white man to complain about society. I don't have to be an old, you know, the 
as I said, the stereotype of the old white man shaking his fist at society. Actually don't have to be that to look around and recognize there are a lot of things that I don't like happening in society. There are a lot of changes that I don't appreciate in society. And the same is true for everyone else in any other circumstance. Now, there are points at which something is is a serious mental disorder. Because if I said, no, no, like I said in that article seven years ago, it gave an example. If I said, no, I actually am a white man, not just a white man, I'm actually an old white man, right? Sadly, people might accept, well, maybe you're a man, but you're not old and white, for whatever reason, people have decided to stick on the, the gender issue. Well, there there are lots of reasons, but we, we won't uh, spend much more time here. So, if I was convinced that I am an old white man, that's a problem. But it's also an unnecessary fixation. And it also doesn't really benefit me. And it also only closes my world it doesn't open it up right i can be open to new ideas and new possibilities and new ways of thinking without changing something about myself that can't in fact be changed you can't change from a man to a woman you can't do it and one thing i realized is that a part of the issue with the transgender um I don't know what, what we can call it. I guess the the medical surgeries, the medical promises around the around transgenderism. A part of the problem is pure arrogance. It's pure arrogance. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created human beings and he created men and women. And for scientists and psychologists and doctors to think, we've got this exactly down. We understand the human body so well. The, the, the sex chromosomes and the, the sexual organs, we understand it so well that we think we can just give you some medicine, chop this off, sew this on, and look, you're, no. That is, and I'm, I'm not trying to insult the individuals, but the procedures that they're getting, it's like Frankenstein. And what was the warning? I'm sure there was a larger message, but I haven't read it in years. What was the warning of Frankenstein? At least a part of it was that kind of warning about having a God complex about this person thinking that they could turn this, I think they were using different body parts, however they they created, quote-unquote, this human being that ended up being a monster. We don't actually understand ourselves that well, not even physically. We don't understand ourselves. We are limited in our knowledge, and Allah may increase our knowledge, but of course, it'll never be as complete as his. Our understanding is not at the depth needed. And I'll go out on a limb and say it'll probably never be to create a human being or to transition a human being from one gender to another. We do not understand ourselves that well. And we certainly don't understand unless you find well enough to understand how he created women and men. We know something about chromosomes and hormones and sexual organs, some of which we probably re- more recently learned, but we don't fully understand and that's why you have, again, I, I don't want to mention the, the surgery because it's so horrifying, but if you're interested in knowing in detail, just look up even the standard practice of the surgery is frightening. But even now you have there, they want to attempt to take the, I believe, uterus of a woman and put it into a man 
to see if he can create a child. Now listen, Allah is in control. So I cannot say that he will not allow scientists or medical doctors to do anything in particular. I can't say that. I don't know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow. And I certainly cannot, I cannot literally limit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm not going to limit him in my imagination. But what I will say is that we don't understand what we're doing. <laughs> not fully understand the human body. We do not fully understand what it means to be a man or a woman. Even now, I'll give this one last example, inshallah. I'm like trying to wrap up, but there's so many, so many things uh, coming to mind. Even on the issue of surrogacy, and that deserves its, its own podcast. The issue of surrogacy, which is where they then sort of take this idea from that, oh, well, let's just expand it to biological men. The idea that what makes a child yours is a contract from the government or from the particular company that you're going through and your eggs and and your, let's say, husband's sperm, you do not understand. We don't understand the human body. We don't have a depth of knowledge about relationships. Because what, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying? In our faith. In our faith, you can be connected to uh, to a woman through milk. A woman can be your milk mother, and that changes her. That changes her legal status, her legal and relational status to you, through being your milk mother. What does that mean about the milk? And Allah alam. It could just be a spiritual connection. It could be something physical. We don't know. We don't know. Allah alam. But that is a fam- that becomes a familial connection. Who are we to decide that the woman that births a child, but they use another woman's eggs and a man's sperm... Who are we to decide that that is not the child of the woman who gave birth to it? Who are we to make that decision? That because the company, you signed the dotted lines and you gave your egg, whatever that means, because obviously scientists understand this. Of course, a scientist understands how to take out a woman's egg, right? And a woman is trusting that that's what the scientist is doing. But who are we to decide that the child is not the child of the woman who gave birth to them? We have decided arbitrarily that a child is the child of the woman's egg and the man's sperm. Instead of it being a child of the man's sperm and the woman who gives birth to it. Well, I, you know what, subhanAllah, I guess people do that too if, if that's how the contract goes. Because people do give egg donations. So I suppose people do that as well. SubhanAllah. I just realized that. So we're not exactly principled on this. It just matters what do you sign on the dotted line? Who paid the fee? So you get some anonymous donor's egg and you put it into your uterus. It may be some anonymous man's sperm as well. And you sign on the dotted lines and it's your child because... So we don't even have a cohesive philosophy, subhanAllah. We don't actually have a cohesive philosophy about is the child the child of the woman who gave birth to it or the child of... The woman whose egg it is. Or or is our philosophy that you're the child of whoever paid for you? SubhanAllah. But we are just making things up. And I think it's important to realize that. I know I kind of veered 
off the deep end a little. Well, not the deep end. It, it's all related, but anyway, we kind of got off top, topic there. So I think that when, when it comes to Muslim youth, Muslims in general, Muslim youth in particular, we have to explore with them the possibilities for their identity and as much as possible veer them away from walking into the box the pathway of the lgbtq plus community movement etc if you're a young woman who has traditionally masculine interests or or a young man who has traditionally feminine interests much of that is probably okay and perfectly halal obviously we'd have to go through what, what exactly but much of it is probably okay but if you're if you literally feel that there is someone else trapped inside of you well, that is a psychological issue. It's perhaps a spiritual issue. And the scary thing today is that you can't really trust to take them to a psychologist. I don't know where you should take them. I can't even say a Muslim psychologist. You have to know what that person's orientation is about those issues. But hopefully it's not to that extreme Allowing ourselves to explore and question our identities without putting ourselves into some other box. Because I could go, for example, go back to the political example, I could go from being a Democrat and not thinking about being anything but a Democrat when I was younger, that being my default, to now I'm a Republican. But why? Why put myself in another box, another constraint? Why go from being a man who you feel like you have to have stereotypically men's interests to being a woman and then feeling pressured under those stereotypes? When you could just be a man or a woman and explore within... Within boundaries, but the boundaries are pretty wide, who you are just as a human being. Who are you as a human being? That's a conversation that never ends. That's a far more interesting conversation than trying to fit yourself into some specific category. So alhamdulillah, I know this was very long. I hope that you all enjoyed it or reflected along with me. Maybe you learned something, but most importantly, hopefully it provokes some thoughts in you. Again, please check out my Substack and consider subscribing, inshallah ta'ala. I'm writing pretty often on there, so if you'd like to hear my thoughts, head over to nerdynight.substack.com. And uh, hopefully leave a comment, a like as well. Love to hear from you and take care.